This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So joining us as a special treat this week, we have Alex Giannopoulos and Dennis Mascari, who have recently started a podcast series called Fail Scouts. You can uh, find out how you can subscribe and see their show notes at failscouts.com. Uh, they are both, uh, assistant location scouts and work in a location department, uh, for better call Saul and also breaking good as well as a, a lot of other New Mexican, uh, film and television productions. Uh, welcome to the podcast guys. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. We're real happy to be here. Uh, we first met Alex in Albuquerque at the Albuquerque, uh, breaking bad fan fest and had a, a lot of fun talking with him both on an, an, an official capacity and behind the scenes, uh, thought he's a really cool dude. And we're excited to, we were excited to find out you had started doing a podcast, guys, because I know you had a podcast that you did way back when. Um, could you tell the people a little bit about what Fail Scouts is all about and what they can expect to hear on your show? Uh, certainly. So, um, so our, our new podcast is called Fail Scouts, and, and basically it's a term we came up with. Um, the, the title of our, of our podcast is a term we came up with for when... Um, for when you're kind of set out to fail in our job, because <laughs> sometimes you know you're set out you're set out to. Um... All right, well let me start over. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going a, little, I'm going a little ahead of myself. Basically, is this, yeah, basically, is this how we, the we podcast are, goes? This is the goes fa- every week. This is the fail <laughs> cast. We yeah, no, were you know setting up the fail. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> we're failing. <laughs> no, um, basically, it's a show about uh, where we kind of lay out what we do in, in our jobs, which is. Um, location managing and location scouts. So our job is to find locations for TV shows like Better Call mm-hmm. Saul and Breaking Bad. And then we um, and then we also set up the logistics to shooting on location, which is kind of a big job. And, you know, a lot of there's a lot of factors involved that people take for granted and, and a little bit. And um, and and we just kind of like to get our own story out there and our own behind the scenes from the very bottom of the food chain and <laughs> yeah. the filmmaking world. And um, and the title of our show, Fail Scouts, is just a term we came up with for when for when we're scouting for something and we already showed them the perfect thing and they want us to keep finding more things for them to reject, which is called a fail scout. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are both from Albuquerque, right? Yeah, yeah, we're locals. And, and one thing I didn't suspect, uh, but seems obvious in retrospect, is that scouting seems to be a very location. Scouting seems to be a very regional or localized thing. Like you don't, you know, the, there's like a, not like a pool of, of of scouts in Hollywood that you dispatch to like some place in Minnesota for filming Fargo or some place in Washington D.C. to do House of Cards because those people wouldn't know where all the good spots are. Is that? Is that fairly widespread throughout yeah. the, the globe or nation? Um, yeah. yes, yes and no. Basically, um, there's a location manager, and, and he's yeah. the one in charge of the department. And a lot of times, location managers come from L.A. or elsewhere, you know, and they show up in the town. But, yes. If, they, if it they, tends they, to be a big project, like the big L.A. managers will... They'll manage the project wherever it is, but a lot of the lo- they'll hire a lot of locals. Yeah, but when they come in, the they, they ask who's, you know, who knows the area and mm-hmm. things like that. 
But sometimes you are kind of sent out to like a lot of times um, Dennis has done shows in, in smaller towns in New Mexico that yeah, we've never even been to, you know, and you kind of just have to go in and drive around and find things on your own sometimes, even if you don't know the town. Yeah. But yes, that, that uh, makes it more exciting. Though. The less, you know, it's like the discovery is a little greater. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, just but, but being a local does um, help, you know, especially when it comes to things like where we can and cannot be or things like that. Do you find with location scouting that you mentioned driving a lot? Like percentage-wise, what would you say you, – how much of your job do you spend driving around? Like how much of it do you like kind of pre-scout out with, with Google Maps? I mean is there any other kind of like high-tech methods you use to kind of narrow down your search or is it just driving around? Well, I think it, it varies um, on what you're looking for. Sometimes you'll use the maps to find topographical – uh, geographic locations. If you're looking for some, you know, exteriors, and other times you're you're just driving around because you know the area and you know where to find these certain things that they're talking about. Well, I'd say you drive fifty fifty. Basically, yeah. um, half of our job is going out and looking for things. Half of our yeah. job is setting up logistics and office work yeah. and making phone calls and things like that. So, um, yeah, it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for something really specific, like you know, a blue house with polka dots or something, you know, you have to go out and look, you yeah. know, if you're looking for something like a big field, you know, then, you know, Google maps can be very handy, you mm-hmm. know, to see it from above before, you know, cause sometimes driving around, you can't see something like over a berm or a wall or something that you can see in Google. Like maps. in the last, last year, like I had 36,000 miles I drove and 33,000 <laughs> were work miles. So. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we drive a lot. <laughs> it's 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 part of it for sure. Oh. And then when and then when you do find something on Google, you have to physically go out there sure. and look at it and get pictures. And even if you've been somewhere before, you have to physically go out there and get new pictures because the season may have changed since your old pictures or something like that as well. So yeah, we drive all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point about the seasons because I remember Dennis was telling a story about some director wanting him to find the Garden of Eden. Yeah, <laughs> New Mexico in March, and you're like, there is no such thing. There is not a yeah. spit of green around. <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. take him to the you take him to the soundstage, and you say, here it is. Here it is, exactly. <laughs> Bring in some shrubs. They didn't have a soundstage, and that was another problem with that show. <laughs> oh boy. Oh wow. We ended up, we, 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 they, that was another thing. They wanted a big empty warehouse in Santa Fe, which did not exist. So no, we, yeah. we ended up finding them at a closed grocery store. Grocery store, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot, a lot of people, when they hear about, you know, location scouting, they're like, you're just looking for really cool buildings and, you know, just like iconic properties. But it seems like that, you know, driving past something and like, ooh, this is the perfect spot. That's like just the beginning of the process. There is a lot more that, uh, you know, with securing the rights and the technical aspects. Would you guys talk about some of the challenges there? Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, we we do everything legitly. I mean, there are some in the in movie history, people used to kind of just go around and shoot things and steal shots and worry about it later. But <laughs> these days, these days, we have to do the due diligence. We yeah. have to find the owners. We have to contact them. We have to, you know, make lawyers sure lawyers have become a big part of filmmaking. Yeah, we got to yeah, to go through legal departments and things like that. And yeah, we really have to dig in, find the people, give them a pitch. You know, tell them what we were looking for, to, uh, yeah. give them an offer, make a deal on every single place we do. And then there's also like the neighbors, the the parking. Everywhere we go, we have to secure a parking lot for base camp. 
and for catering and things like that. It's, it's a lot of legwork. So for every location you see on a show, whether it's like one minute on screen, you know, you have to imagine that we have to bring a whole film crew to that house. We have to put them in a place to park. We got to feed them that day all on location. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's it's a huge amount of logistics involved with it. Sometimes, too, you're moving the people across the city. Like you're taking 100 people from one end of town to the other end of town and you know you have to provide them with directions how to get there put signs up on the road it's yeah we make maps we put up signs you're talking and i'd say for each location you're probably at least talking to 20 to 25 people (laughs) at least least. you got to get permits with the city we do all that so like scouting is probably the most fun part of it at the beginning actually looking for places the most creative yeah and then after that it's just like uh, an endless amount of (laughs) paperwork and dotting t's and crossing i's and making sure everyone's happy and paid off and and in the end you know our main goal is to make people happy enough that they want us back you know Mm -hmm. because you know if we ever need to come back in a future season a better call Saul or something like that we want to make sure that that we'll be welcome yeah I've got some questions about some Better Call Saul locations, but I wanted to start off uh, what I thought was the the best story from the weekend on the Albuquerque Fan Fest, which is, you know, what you talk about, like, you know, being able to come back and film more locations. And you had a pretty, I thought, amusing and kind of heroic story about the chicken farm uh, for Los <laughs> Polos Hermanos. Uh, can you talk <laughs> about the ultimate fate of that and how you guys worked around it and kind of, you know, the blood pressure raising aspects of it? <laughs> yeah, the chicken farm story. <laughs> so um, basically, <laughs> so as a as a department, we inherited um, Breaking Bad in season four. They had a different locations department that went on to a different show. And so we took over, basically. And we were taking over at all the locations at that point, all the existed ones. And I think we kind of took the chicken farm for granted a little bit that it was just there and nobody was using it. Well, and know. nobody had talked about it either. Like it wasn't even on the radar. Well, it was. It was on the radar. Not for a while. Well, but anyway, basically it came up in a script in season four. And, um, and I called them and I, you know, just an initial call. said, hey, we're planning on coming back to shoot there. If that's cool. You know, I'd like to come by and get some photos. And the woman says, oh, well, it's being set to be demolished tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, okay. So I run to the producer and, um, and I tell him what I, I was told. And he, and he kind of freaked out for, you know, for good reason. Yeah. Because um, Vince and them, as if you recall in season four, there was a lot that happens in the chicken farm. There was like a shootout. Sure. You know, you know mm-hmm. they, um, Hank and Hank is like... Um, stalking it because mm-hmm. he's has suspecting Gus sure. for things and things like that. So they had big plans for it. So <laughs> so the, 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 the producer, he grabs a cameraman. <laughs> I love that. And he, and he goes out there and he goes, we're going out there to take establishing shots. And I was like, I don't have a contract. And he's like, get one. And so I go over there and I, <laughs> and I like throw him 200 bucks and, and we like we go up on a hill and we just start taking establishing shots because the thing's that to be going down tomorrow yep. you know and you know so i'm calling their corporate office i'm calling them i'm saying is there any way we can you know stop this and and they're like no basically the county has been hounding them to tear down those disgusting chicken farms for a long time because yeah, they because were just the because the, it was you know they haven't been used in years yeah. right and mm-hmm. they were you know it was gross yeah and it's probably i don't know making us all sick or something mm-hmm. so 
so they so it took him a long time to get a contractor in the deal because that stuff take, is a process in itself. And once you get a contractor, you know you have a contract. It's you're paying them thousands of dollars, and it's, and there, there's no stopping them basically. Sure. So what we had to do was we had to do a deal with the contractor himself, the the guy who was, you know, hired to tear down these chicken farms. We had to make a deal with him. And he wasn't going to go, you know, he was going to tear him down by this certain date. He had a whole schedule. So we paid him a lot of money to basically start on one end and slow and and tear down the chickens farm from one end to the other, Mm -hmm. you know, because we really just shot half of it. Basically, we put that trailer, you know, and basically he he we he agreed to do that. And we got the scenes done. And the day after we finished the final scene of. Of that of that sequence, it was dust. It was, they yeah. tore it, tore it down. <laughs> tore it down. That's stuff. cutting it close. Yeah, yeah. It got lucky. Not not every day you have to deal with ticking time bomb scenarios with uh, locations, I suppose. But uh, no, uh, not even every like day, Jesse's this, house. They, they yeah, moved the stuff, garage on Jesse's house. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, this like, stuff happens, and it's yeah. and, and it's 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 life. And like for instance. Um, this Property is owners change hands too in the middle of seasons. We've had that happen. You have to deal with somebody else who might not necessarily want filming, but yeah. you try and talk with them about it. And well, here's an example that might out. be an upcoming problem for us, which I was worried about this season was um, Saul's office, his, oh, ex- yeah. his exterior, that shopping center that we used in Breaking Bad with Lady Liberty on top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Around season five, it became a a, a, a restaurant or a bar. No, it's a, it's a bar now yeah it's a bar so anyway basically it was an empty space when they first started shooting there and then Mm -hmm. it's there's a tenant there now you know and it's not a lawyer office like it would be a serious redress to make that happen so if you noticed in the final seasons of breaking bad we never saw the front of the store again there was a couple of scenes where he's like on a payphone outside and you can see lady liberty in the background right there's a scene where he there's, yeah, we were we were finding other alleys and things like that to pretend um, was, was the was backside that, of his yeah. place, you know. So, you know, so if the Better Call Club prequel gets to a point where we need that location, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's that's movie making. Mm-hmm. I mean, these issues come up and you deal with them. So either we're going to have to find a new shopping center that looks like it, or it's going to have to be a complete build. Mm-hmm. Or we're gonna have to pay that bar to <laughs> let us redecorate it if that's what they want to <laughs> yeah, do, exactly. you know? Exactly. I mean, you there's, never there's, know. There's, there's always, you know, like if that chicken farm was gone, I mean, if they could have written it out of the script, or we could have built the thing, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how you know Matt sure. matched it up. You know, it's just it's it's, it's just. Um, I will it, say Vince tries to be pretty conscious of the other locations, though they. They yeah, yeah, things yeah. They they are, and um, and and the thing about our job is when there is an issue like that, you can't panic. You just gotta, t- and you yeah. can't lie about it. You can't sugarcoat it. Never I can't show go to, them I, your sweat. Yeah, yeah, I can't go to the producer and be like, "Oh, you know, we're fucked. We, you, I'm like, we're screwed. We have to go." <laughs> no, you can you know, swear. You, you can, can definitely fuck. swear in this podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, you you just gotta go and say, "This is the situation. Yeah. Um, this is what we can maybe do. I don't know what you want to do, you know." And we just have to talk about it. And a, and a good producer will not flip out. They'll, yeah. they'll they'll work out the issue you know that's what we do i i, I don't want to switch gears here too much but i'm really curious how you guys got started doing this or were you like oh i'm the guy that everybody goes to to find the cool hangouts in, in the area or like what is it about 
your like knowledge of the area or something that makes people come to you and say, hey, find us locations? Yeah, or uh, to say another, were you involved in filmmaking and then because you knew the area so well you got into scouting? Or were you just a go-to for the scouting and you got sucked into the film industry? Well, for me, it was kind of um, – I I – this is along the lines of being in a film, being a filmmaker, and wanting to to get into the film business. Like I, I did the film crew training course at uh, one of the community colleges here at CNM, and uh, that's it's basically a class af- that I went to after school where they kind of went through all the various below the line jobs, and uh, I kind of got hooked up through uh, them. I made some contacts and did some jobs that way. But because of my independent filmmaking, I also talked with the film commission a lot and kind of got to know her in making my individual stuff. And the um, Albuquerque film, the Albuquerque film office, yeah. And um, basically, through both of those channels, I kind of had knowledge of the area and started going uh, through the you know proper channels to get into the union and stuff, and kind of started out that way. I have a completely different story. My my situation was I. Um, I always wanted to work in the movies in some aspect, and I was always wanting to go to L.A. when I was younger, you know, and try to do that, uh, you know, any way I could. And around 2005, the movies came here because of tax incentives. A lot of things started filming here, and I was in a really bad part of my life, actually. I was working at my family's restaurant, and I, and I was a college dropout, and I had nothing going for me. I was spinning my <laughs> wheels, basically. And a movie was shooting in my family's restaurant and and my uncle basically um (laughs) got them to get me a job and i so basically i didn't even know what locations did i was hired as a locations pa just to help kind of clean up and pick up trash and you know what we hire our pas for set up tents and heaters and things like that Mm -hmm. and um and then i um, and I got hired for five days on a movie and it, it turned into five months because it was an insane show. That, that's what always <laughs> happens. Somebody goes, I got a couple days for you and, and half a um, year later. And from there, I kind of just kept working. Basically, locations is kind of a job that um, it, I'm not going to say not everyone can do it, but not everyone could do it. It's like <laughs> it sounds like you have to be detail oriented. Yeah, and there's kind of, and you do, and you and you have to be organized, and you have to, and you, and you have to be a, uh, a problem solver, and you have to be a public relations person. Yeah, you have to right. be friendly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's just a bunch of aspects that you know. Some people just, I mean, but, so basically, if you're good at it, they keep you working, type yeah. of thing. <laughs> so, and for me, and for me, I started scouting maybe a little bit later on, like Breaking Bad, the pilot, which which we also worked on. We did the pilot, then we came back in season four. That was one of the first things I've ever scouted for, and I honestly didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of just driving Vince Gilligan around, and I <laughs> and um, and I, and you kind of just learn from your mistakes and get better at it, and yeah, and, and you um, yeah. So yeah, um, sounds like right, sounds like yeah, podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean now we're kind of we kind of it's been nine years. We've kind of gained the reputation as like the Albuquerque, you know, as, as one of the more um you know, experienced Albuquerque scouts. And so, sure. and so, so sometimes, you know, we get, we get calls a lot of times when people, when movies are first coming in and things like that. But, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's something you can work your way from the bottom. Like I did. It's something that, you know, yeah, it, it, it's, um, and if, yeah, if the movies are shooting in your town and you know the town and you can take good pictures and you can talk to people, yeah, I think it could be for you too. You know, 
You mentioned in the second episode of Fail Scouts about tech scouting, and which is just real briefly you taking all of the folks involved in making a episode or something like the directors and the producers and the uh, you know lighting guys and all and the camera guys and all that uh, in a big bus and you go to all the locations and essentially they bitch about it. And, <laughs> is that what and, we said? That's what we said. Yeah, I no, that's essentially. Yeah. Essentially, well, they, they 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 bring their concerns to you, and you address them with the the property folks, and and kind of make it happen, and you cater lunch. But it seems like that this is just big process, and you kind of talk about how you wish there was a different way. Like you know, if this 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 is like some big traditional Hollywood thing that maybe you know was started before we had cell phones and email ad- addresses and stuff like that but we still do it because because we still do it if yeah. you could change one thing about your guys' jobs to modernize it or better use technology what what do you think you would you would do to streamline it or make it better that's a good question well the thing is we're we're doing that all the time like basically yeah. basically we're doing stuff that people have not done in the past for instance printing out a google map and marking all the places where we're filming you know, the technology that just wasn't there, you know, six years ago type mm-hmm. of thing. You know, so we, the, we make these layouts, you know. We we're can, able to make good presentations of people and show them where our equipment's going to go, everything, top, yeah, you know, from like an overhead perspective. Whether or not anyone looks at this stuff when you hand it to them is another question. Yeah. <laughs> and, the tech, and the tech scout, I mean, it is useful. I'm not going to say we're gonna, we need to reinvent the wheel here. It's, it's just that it's kind of a big production a yeah. lot of times. You know, it's just a, kind of a big unnecessary thing. You know, the producers bring their three assistants, you know, or whatever. You know, there's just there's just a ma- you know, you know, and there's a mob of people that you're just trying. It's like herding cats. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. you're trying to follow a schedule. You're trying to get people in and out of a bus, you know, and then somebody has an issue and they make a, you know, and this is a and they bring it up in a like, let's like, let's say there's a certain yeah. department that that has a small that has an issue with the location. They can come up they can we can fix that problem individually but instead we're in a group of 60 people and we have to like work it out while everyone's you know chiming in and looking at each other and you know it's just kind of gets a lot convoluted. of the times i think people kind of freak out too is because all they've done at this point is they've just seen the script so they know by what's written how much work is kind of involved and when you see like a, an itinerary come out you're like holy shit there's 15 locations to go look at or 20 locations it makes it even more. So they're kind of like going in with like a shock, not a shock phase, but just like, man, they they kind of know what's coming up. And mm-hmm. when they go there, they see it. And sometimes it's overwhelming for them for to say, well, this is a lot to get done within seven days. And uh, if you, know. you ask me what I would change is I, I would give, give them shows more time, more time to yeah. put stuff together, yeah. especially in TV. I mean, they give us seven days of prep and seven days to shoot. Or something like that, and and yeah. it's and that comes from the studio, that comes from Sony or whatever, you know, because they that's what they pay for, you know. But it's if you want a big show like Breaking Bad with lots of locations, lots of things, you know, you have to. You give just a, need the time. Some you know, sometimes just take time it, to put together. Yeah, so a tech scout is is a, is a th- is something where you where you drag people around, they get to see the place for. 15 to minutes to a half hour they have i mean it's it's hard for them too they have to look at it because they haven't seen it before yeah. they got to look around they got to decide what they need they got to they, they got to say what they need and then get back on the bus and go to the next location you know mm-hmm. if we had a few days to do this if we you know if we had some time to like actually you know 
iron it out a little bit better, it would make it a whole lot smoother. I think sometimes, too, technology has kind of hindered the decision-making process. Mm. It's made it a little more last-minute because, you know, it's just that instant gratification. You sometimes well, so. have, have problems, you know, they, they just kind of put things off till the last, very last minute. And it, mm. it's not, it, I'm not saying it's anything with Breaking Bad or Saul. It's pretty much every production that Well, I've and I've heard on Saul, with. next season, they're going to give us an extra day of prep. Yeah. Which is going to help tremendously. It will, you know, it really will. Because Saul was kind of a it was chicken with your head cut off experience. We were, we had a lot, I mean, for all the departments, we had a lot going on in every episode. Mm-hmm. And we are moving around constantly is that usually the case with new shows does is it does it get easier as the show progresses to get the locations because you have so many already established yes um um definitely i think like i think even at the end of saul um it things became kind of reoccurring yes and so you basically more rhythm yeah and for us we already have a contract that's been approved so we can just re-sign yeah, yeah. it you know uh-huh. things like like all that song and dance we already went through once so yeah it does it does get a little bit easier um the stupid thing is when you come back next season you have to start all over from the scratch exactly because it's technically a different show that you're working yeah. for every season you get laid off and they close production and then they start a new production season exactly. two and so every contract mm-hmm. has to be new every insurance oh, form wow. has to be yeah, yeah, and it's, it's the same agreement that you've been signing for years. And so when you're, the, yeah, you know, so the woman at Walter White, word. yeah, the woman at Walter White's house signs a new contract every yeah. year, every every episode. You know, it's huh. just a lot of, it's just lots of paperwork. <laughs> wow, I had no idea that that was something that you, yeah. that that explains why things like the Chicken Ranch can happen. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and you know, and with TV, like like for Breaking Bad, you know, if we knew what we know now, we could have bought the White House, you know, or something, you know. Sure. All the all the all the times we went back, you know. I mean, I'm not going to say how much we paid them, but yeah, I'm going to say like over the time, it added up. And uh, but the thing is, Breaking Bad wasn't getting ratings the first few seasons, and every season they didn't know they were coming back. So end of season three, it's really or season three is when it really started to catch fire i think yeah so basically if we knew we we're gonna have six seasons we could have done a six season contract or something but that just doesn't exist in tv you don't know if you're coming back you don't know whenever and so you have to get new contracts every season yeah that was surprised because we you know we started covering breaking bad from season four on kind of you know have a little bit in common there with you uh but when we were going back through this this winter and earlier in the summer and we we did seasons one and and two is kind of like a rewatch retrospective and I was looking at the. I guess I always assumed that Breaking Bad was at least a moderate hit, but it was struggling in like the million people watching it all the way up till season four when it just exploded, yeah. and then it kind of doubled yeah. its audience in between seasons every single season. But uh, that was super surprising. Well, I really well, I heard, think it was Netflix. Yeah, I've heard Vince even say that Netflix may have saved the show because people binge watched it. Yeah. yeah, and and that because it was one of those shows, it was kind of had a Star Trek thing going on, like the original sure. series. Um, it, had, it was getting terrible ratings, but the fans who watched it were obsessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. So so it was getting word of mouth. People have heard of it, you know. And even at Albuquerque, when I was scouting for season four, it seemed like nobody's seen nope. it. Yeah. You know, it was like everyone's kind of you know everyone heard about it. You know, oh, you're that meth show, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. But then season five came around and everyone was like, oh, oh you're breaking back. Come over here. You know, everyone was super, <laughs> uh, the whole attitude. All, all wanting to get involved. Yeah, because I think the whole town saw it on Netflix or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, I remember uh, you guys talking about the early going that there was, that was even a stigma. It's like you want to, I, do I want my house to be associated with this drug production? 
Yeah. Well, specifically in the pilot, um, the was, schools uh, were the schools were very hesitant, and meth houses are a real problem in New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, and they is. would, and back then it was even worse. Yeah. And it was a sensitive subject. And what happened is we lost a location in the pilot because mm-hmm. he didn't. He read on IMDb that it was a, a show about meth, show, yeah. and he wanted nothing to do with it. And so after that, we weren't allowed to say meth. I remember I would go around and be like, oh, he's a teacher, and he, he gets sick, so he, he goes to a life of crime, you know, uh, yeah. like not, not implying that he's, a, you know, that he could rob it's, banks or something. It's funny sometimes how they try to, sp- you know, tailor the story to help, you know. Uh, sure. S- not selling it to locations, but just the promotion of the show itself, even though it may have some negative connotations. So, and it's all productions. They try to... To lighten it a little bit. And it had a weird stigma in Albuquerque at first. Like, there was most articles about Breaking Bad the first few years is about how awful it is for Albuquerque yeah. and New Mexico, and it's making us look terrible. And then when it but became... But it's really helped the tourism. But when it though. became a hit, the whole... the whole Everyone changed their minds, right? Yeah, here, sure. Seems like. <laughs> Which is funny, because what, what I've found in covering the show and talking, because, you know, we get people that, like, are former meth addicts and, and email us and talk about, like, what it, it's meant to them and seeing, like, you know, Jesse struggle and all this stuff. What I've come to appreciate is every small town in America is essentially the meth capital of the United States. Like, yeah. everyone can make their own argument about their their corner of the world being, because yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a pretty prevalent problem uh, yeah. across the country. And I agree. Yeah, that certainly is. So <laughs> and, um, I, I, I want to talk about Better Call Saul for a bit, um, you know, <laughs> since this is what the podcast is about. Uh, I, I remember it out because we, me and, and Jim were pretty nervous about covering, we were nervous about covering any show from, from day one because, you know, uh, the larger something has an audience, the, the more successful we are as a podcast. And we're like, man, on the one hand, this spinoff seems like a really good idea, but then on a lot of other hands, this spinoff seems like it could be could go scary places as far as like it's just going to you know uh, be more of a lone gunman than an, an X file. And uh, w- I asked a couple of the people, uh, some of your col- collaborators, and some of the people that were working on both, because this shares a lot of the same production staff. And I remember when I asked you, Alex, you said you kind of paused and you said, well. The same people that made a lot of the same people that make Breaking Bad are working on this show, and we're bringing a lot of the same, you know, passion and 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 positive energy. And I think you'll be, I think you'll be happy with the results. And you did. It's, 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 <laughs> that was it's, Alex, really. <laughs> it's a rare moment of, of clarity yeah. he had. Yeah. Uh, rare, rare part of positivity. Yeah, and and that's it's funny because as we as fans, you know, we kind of watch the spinoff as kind of you know it's like this is a piano recital. You're watching your kid. It's like you know, oh, just I, I, each scene's like I don't want it to fail, but it's really hit its stride and it's been a, a hit right out of the gate. I mean. Were you guys behind the scenes kind of worried about whether this would deliver or when you guys were looking at the scripts and seeing how things were coming together, you're like, yeah, this is this is going to work. I, um, <laughs> that's a tough question. It's I a mean, tough question. And, and, and the results are going to lay out. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what the world thinks about the rest of the season. Um, at my personal view, when I read those first two scripts or outlines, I guess, I was so excited. Yeah, I, I like, felt like wow. I had to be a part they of did, it. I thought it. I thought those first two episodes were awesome. Yeah, and then I, I think I have. I, I think I kind of shared what you guys are sharing. This is every episode kind of surprised me after that, and 
you know, just kind of real curious on where it's all going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like this, and you know, we kind of thought that this show is getting kind of its stride as a bra- as as a more you know broadly com- uh, comedy type show, and then they hit us with the Mike episode, and it's like, wow, well, we're not ready for this jelly. Um, I, I, it's like you know, it's still it's like, what can this, sh- what kind of show can this show be? Uh, what kind of show is this show going to be th- over time? And it's it's fun to see it kind of. Uh, uh, the, you know, like you said, the fans get experience with it in the world and kind of accept it. But it seems like you guys have got a real hit on your hands. And you guys already got a season two. Like that was. Yeah, they, they okayed that right out of the gates. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and the, the questions you're asking are the questions I, or I personally heard the writers at, asking each other constantly. Yeah. You know, what kind of show is this? What are we trying to say? You know, that's something that they're very conscious of. It's mm-hmm. something that they they really, you know, are we're, we're experimenting with. And I think they still are. You know, I'm not even sure if they know exactly what the show is yet, you know, whether it's funny or whether it's dramatic or what, you know, they're just... Maybe they do. I just haven't tr- talked to them. Yeah, they're just trying to flesh out the characters, mm-hmm. especially Jimmy's character, you know, and, and Mike's uh, specifically, you know, the be- the best they can is, is what I see that they're doing. I think that's why it also um, it went into the decision-making factor, the things that they had to decide throughout, you know, Saul season one. Um, that they wanted to take care and do this as as best they could and and make an informed decision. Yeah, but they're, they're that's it's 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 a confusing. I mean, I mean, it's it's a challenge for them from the beginning. I mean, they wanted the show to happen, but they I don't think they. I mean, they talked about it being a sitcom at first. Yeah. I know, mm-hmm. you know, when they brought it up and they and they kind of, but um, Vince is kind of, I mean. I don't know if superstitious is the right word, but um, he uh, he really wanted it to be kind of the same format as Breaking Bad. Whereas um, he feels better, I think, that it's still that it's an hour long drama in Albuquerque with the same people. You know, then I think he he feels more confident that the show will find itself from there. You know, no matter what it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, I have a question that I'm not sure is going to make it into the podcast, but I wanted to ask it because I was curious. Uh, so it, it, you mentioned earlier, like a rare moment of positivity from Alex uh, <laughs> in in your podcast. I know that even even you said you you get a little complainy sometimes. And of course, it's your job, right? Everybody complains about their job. Bitching is entertaining. And, yeah. and, and, that's a large part of our appeal for sure. It is. <laughs> but when you're doing it. In a public fashion like this, where you know your boss could tune in and say, uh, "I don't like what these guys are saying about me uh, or about anybody I'm involved with," do you do you worry about that? Do you think like, "Oh, I wonder if people are going to get angry about what we're saying," that kind of stuff? There's always that bit of concern for and, sure. Yeah, you should hear what I cut out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're we're trying to be very conscious about that. We we um. We we are not set out to make anyone feel bad. We're not set out not to to call anyone out on being an idiot or anything like that. If we are talking about somebody who frustrated us, I I, I think we're very careful not to mention them by name. Well, and, and it's usually more about the stress, the situation at work versus it actually being directed towards someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and know, it's more situational. And we've been doing this a while, so it's a it's very it's a lot easier to tell stories that happened five years ago. Yes, you know, yeah. then then it is talk about current jobs. Sure, you could have you know, somebody be like, "Oh, I remember that happened with me last week." Or, they must be talking about me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you right now, the producer of Lone Survivor is a psycho. I'm never going to work <laughs> with that guy again. <laughs> if he hears this, I hope he does. But, <laughs> but I would never say anything like that about the wonderful people of Better Call Saul. <laughs> you know our, our, you know our yeah. nickname for Vince Gilligan is, right? What's that? We call him the Villigan because he seems like a very nice guy, but he's got a lot of twisted... Twisted and evil things about him from uh, a storytelling and, and fan perspective. Uh, do you guys? Uh, I want to talk about some of the uh, things that um, I've kind of been impressed with. Better Call Saul, and I don't know. Some of this is like location work, or some of it just might be like a, a sound set or, or a sound stage or whatever. Uh, like the nail salon. You look at that in the daytime with all the ladies there getting their feet done, and it's kind of an unassuming set. But that show, that thing comes alive when they shoot it at night, and they got like the fish tank lighting, and it's all, it's all very suddenly turns into like film noir. But then you can do weird things like having Saul give uh, Kim a pedicure and, and put some moments of, of, of uh, levity in there. Is that the same nail salon that we were introduced to? In I think it was season three of Breaking Bad. Did you guys get a new location? Is the interior the actual interior of that spot? Okay, I was asked this before. I don't remember the nail salon. It, in it, Breaking it's, Bad. No, it, it's a it's a it's a cameo. Location wise, it's a it's a totally different one. Mm. But I think it's an homage to it. I mm. think I'm not sure. Well, what happened at the one in season three? I don't remember. It was they just. Sitting- it was like a yeah. uh, money laundering montage. Yeah. You know, you could do a nail salon, or you can do a laser tag, or you can. You he, know. Yeah, he he just mentions it, right? They don't go to one. They were there. They? Yeah, yeah. He he met. I think he was getting a pedicure and his nails done while Walter and and Jesse came to meet him there. I think is what it was. Exactly. It was the deal. Oh, where did we shoot that? It was well. They shot. It was the one off of the freeway. It was near uh, Gray Clips and Wax over there off of Jefferson or Osuna. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a different nail salon, but I, I do think that um, I, I know that when they were writing Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, they went back to all and they went back and looked up. I think they even talked about their podcast. I think they printed out every line that Saul said yeah, and Mike about said, that, about that. you know, so and I know they are very conscious about Easter eggs mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I could I, I, I would guess that, yes, they wanted to do an homage like Dennis said to that mm. when they wrote in the snail salon. But I honestly don't know. The, I know the physically, that. but it is a totally different, different location place, for yeah. sure that we, we, this is a new one we found for, for this season. And then is the interior night stuff, is that, or is, is that actually the location or is that a soundstage? It's yes. all location. Everything's location except for his little office. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I can yeah, see go, that. You go, yeah. You go to the back and there's no room there. It's just mm-hmm. a closet, but in the, yeah. So, but but the exterior and the interior shots are the real place, and it's pretty much how the place is. The yeah. fish tank was there. The fish tank is there. What we did is we painted a mural that yeah. they kept. It's still there, the mural in the back. But that's really all the set dressing we did. They um, that place well, they moved is, some stuff around. Yeah, but that place, all the all the they they have like fake hands and yeah. things like that. That's all stuff that they have there. You yeah. know, it's it's a it's a real. Um, it, I mean, it, and it's. I He's mean, a I'm really not, great guy. I'm not sure exactly what. Um. Yeah, I mean, they're they're are they Fun Vietnamese or they're, yeah they're, yeah they're v, they're real Vietnamese family that owns it, and yeah, it's it's all very authentic. Do you guys? Um, is there an interesting story behind the compound that uh, Saul went to meet with the guy who wanted to secede from the union and have his own money? Uh, that seems Ricky? like a pretty huh? 
Is that guy's name is Ricky? I think I wasn't sure if it was Rick, but you know he wanted yeah, to Rick. Rick. found Rikistan or whatever it was, <laughs> uh, the sovereign state of Rikistan. Where is that place? Was there a story behind it? I just thought it was just a very interesting looking location. That place is a um, real house. It's run by a very nice family in yeah. town, and they have a huge trophy room full of animal heads. So that was actually inside. that was actually as you guys found it. Sort yeah. of, yeah. So basically, basically, we showed them that house in season in the last season of Breaking Bad. That was that was um, a house we scouted for um, Gretchen and Elliot's house in the uh, final episode, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's something that Vince was Vince and them company were very impressed with, <laughs> you know, and they remembered it and actually wrote a scene for that house in in the story. Now the. Um, now the funny story is, kind of well, funny, haha. But I'm, well, so the, so the funny story is that when we took the director to see that house, you know, it was basically written for that house. You know, we, we they uh, Vince and them asked if it was still available. We called the people. It was. They were very excited. Um, we took the director at the trophy room is in an office in the house mm-hmm. and she felt yeah. like it was too small to shoot in mm-hmm. for all that, for all those scenes, you know, um, the, and so we basically took the trophies out of that room and put them in the living room. Yeah. <laughs> and so we didn't shoot it as is specifically like the nail salon, yeah, but, but the, the yeah. pro- but the property is like that. It's a big property with a gate and, um, it's uh, there are it's kind of in a uh, there's more houses in the in the beyond that gate than is shown. We uh, make it look we make it look vastly more empty than it was. Mm-hmm. I think there may even be a digital erase in the background to make it a little more expansive as well because uh, there's kind of because there's desert behind it, but behind that there's a highway, and I don't think you saw that in the shot right at all. It looked very compoundy. Yeah, exactly. Which was the idea, you know, because he was trying to secede. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What do you guys? But you know, but that was a fail, Scout, because they had us look for more options, even though they wrote a scene <laughs> for that house. Uh-huh. Showed up more things. Seems like the she, most possible fail yeah. of a scout. You know, I think you could well, find I mean, a better, just... a more essential version of the thing that we wrote the scene for. <laughs> could, could you look? Well, for that? I mean, well, it was those those details that I talked about. It was like, well, actually, the room's a little too small, and there's actually other houses on the property, so maybe we could find something a little more secluded that works better. All right, uh-huh. you know. And then we showed him pictures, and Vince was like, what's wrong with the one we have? Nothing. We can make it work. All right, let's make it work. All right, throw all these away. <laughs> nice. Is but, there you know, any, anything you're especially proud of on this season that we've seen so far uh, up through the, the Mike episode, the five zero? 0 Is there anything you guys are especially proud of as, as a get? I, hmm. I think there's a certain amount of pride that – me and Dennis could have about the Philadelphia sequence. Yeah. In the, in the Mike episode, I like that Philadelphia sequence. It came we, out we shut down a block of Albuquerque, downtown Albuquerque for a week to decorate it. Like in the summer to decorate it, like Philadelphia in the winter mm-hmm. with, with fake snow. And we, and we, and we closed down several businesses all while uh, you know you're filming the rest of the other episodes and stuff. Too. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big, was a huge big deal. We had contracts all over the place. It was a lot of legwork, and it was, it was a lot to pull off. And we pulled it off. We everybody was satisfied, and then we went to go shoot it, and it rained. <laughs> and <laughs> lightning storm. Lightning storm, and we only shot the alley sequence, and we didn't see any of the street. 
And so no one was really sure what was going to happen. We undecorated the whole thing. We put everything back to normal on the next Monday. And then they said, okay, we're shooting it again this Friday. Yep. So we redecorated the whole thing in <laughs> about her day. As soon as everything was down, the trucks <laughs> was, came right back to put it back yeah, up. Yeah, we, we wow. paid up the whole, the whole block again. We did the whole thing over again. And we shot the rest of the sequence. And I, I mean, I think that episode... I mean, I actually, Dennis, I don't think you saw it yet, but I think that episode was the best-looking episode mm-hmm. so far. I thought, yeah, I thought, that, I thought that sequence looked really good, especially because it's Albuquerque, you know? <laughs> it's not Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty impressive. And it's very stylized, too. You know, it's got that noir feel to it. Um, yeah. So uh, Adam so, Bernstein is a really great director. He is. Yeah, he is. yeah. I, I really appreciated that episode a lot. Um, another ho- another uh, location I could be proud of is probably Stacy's house because... <laughs> <laughs> that's a house that I used to live in. It's my uncle's house. No and, way. Yeah. And, um, and that was a last minute deal because, um, we had not because if you recall in the episode before, we had a small exterior shot of that house. Sure. You know, and we had a different house picked out, um, already. And it was already like signed up. And then at the, and then when the script came out for the next episode, Adam Bernstein, um, realized how much work he had inside that house, you know, with Mike and Stacy talking, and he wanted something else if we could. And so I basically had, I don't know, I basically pulled that one out of my wherever I found it. And, I, <laughs> and, it, and so and, and it worked out. So basically it's a house that, that I used to live in that I've made several movies in. So it's something that's really kind of personal that's in there. You know, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard you guys talking about that on your latest show. I have to say, like, I think one thing uh, that, added to it a bit is the uh mike's parking booth where it where it is versus what it was i think that that kind of helps aesthetically i think what they're using now is pretty pretty interesting looking and versus it being just written as a parking garage yeah it was written as a parking garage and uh, and and dennis showed him that booth with the bridge over it the bridge kind of gives them a little more depth and and it, 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 it gives the troll the essential troll quality. The trolls, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's a cute little analogy, and um, definitely, and it, that that was that was loca- that was based on the location. It was not written like that, mm-hmm. and and also gave us an opportunity to do exterior shots. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, it, it's real clear if it's day or night there, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was at the Albuquerque Convention Center, who were extremely helpful and very very happy to be a part of it. So it worked. It was one of those locations that worked out for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the situation where they had something completely different in mind. And then Dennis showed him something that completely changed the whole mm-hmm. look of it. And yeah, so it's prideful. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, do you have any other questions? No, I think I'm good. We should probably point them. Uh, That's what I was going to say. I'm sure podcast. that uh, there's, there's uh, a lot of listeners. They'll probably be hungry for more behind the scenes details. And you guys are dishing that up over at failscouts.com. If you go there, you can find Failscats on iTunes and, and all the other major places, too. But if you're looking to find the feed and the show notes and all that stuff, Failscouts, all one word, dot com is where you can keep up with uh, Dennis and Alex. I really appreciate you guys giving us the time uh, to talk with the fans and kind of get you, get a little behind-the-scenes flavor for the production. I really appreciate it. Oh, we're, we're very happy. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. And, and yeah, thank, thank you for you. plugging our show. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot more stories like these. This is... This is, I mean, this is kind of just the way we, we just kind of want to give our perspective 
of the world out. We we wanted to make a scouting movie. Yeah, this is kind of our way to. <laughs> and I even and I movie. even wrote a pilot called Scouts. You know, but I think I think Kick this start podcast. That shit. Kickstart that <laughs> well, shit. I think this podcast is a good way just to <laughs> let our let our stories out into yeah. the world. <laughs> the other thing you guys do that I thought was amusing, uh, and I wasn't expecting it going into the show, is you do like a a scouting review, like yeah. a movie review, and you you rate it on a on a series of uh, co- uh, orange construction cones. Yeah, traffic cones. <laughs> yeah. Like out of five traffic cones, and then you guys organically came up with the uh, three and one bent cone for the three and a half cones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we 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 want, we like to express our opinions, but and we cones figured... are such a big deal of our part of our job too. Yeah, but we figure nobody really cares if we like a movie or not. But we do have an interesting perspective on the locations aspect, and we and we um we watch something and we and we uh, we decide whether well we we guess how they shot it and well anymore sometimes i'm watching a show and i'm like damn that scene must have been a bitch to put together (laughs) (laughs) and you just like start thinking about all the work you got to do to put that together and we we, um and we look up the location manager and we we give him a shout out because it's something that rarely happens we're kind of we're kind of the department that no that nobody um thinks of you know sometimes that's what i was gonna say i like about your podcast is that you know directors and actors and writers get so much attention and then the people who kind of organized logistics of making these things happen don't get so much attention so your podcast really helps to you know draw some attention to those jobs uh what did you call it below the line yeah below the line yeah what exactly does that mean well sadly like above the line is pretty much all the producers actors um those are considered you're above the line what is the line is yeah, it, sadly, it's kind of it's an industry term. And, yeah, basically, oh. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's crew versus the people yeah. who you normally hear from. Yeah, because okay. you also don't normally hear from the grips or the, the, electric. the electricians, the art department, things like you yeah. know the costumers, things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, above. And honestly, I mean, I don't know who came up with above the line or below the line. It was but, someone above the line, I guarantee. Exactly. Yeah, but <laughs> well, they definitely had to create some kind of separation. But sadly, it's kind of a class thing because yeah. because in movies, it's militaristic hierarchy. Well, and it's sure. also money. Those yeah. people, those people make four times what the rest of the crew makes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, so if you have a goal to be above the line, yeah. you know, it's it's not easy to get above that line. You know it's what I not, mean? It's sure. not easy to become a working actor or a working writer. It's amazing how small the film community is. When I first started, I thought I was going to meet, you know, people from all over the place. And I mean, I have met people from all over the place, but it's, it's amazing how small it actually is. You see a lot of the same people coming back and they all talk with each other. So it's, it's a really tight knit community. Yeah. And I didn't really want to call our podcast that cause I consider myself above the line <laughs> because <laughs> okay. Because I because I was an actor in one scene in Breaking Bad. So. Oh, that's oh, right. That's right. That's right. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We we were the giant liars. We're not done. Uh, we just when we thought we were out, you pulled us back in. Yeah, talk, that, about that that. Is, talk about that. Talk about your screen credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes just rolled. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had the I had the tremendous and wonderfully blessed opportunity to play the waiter in the final episode of Breaking Bad that brought Lydia the stevia <laughs> in the grove. Yeah, which was an amazing experience. Awesome. I applaud you uh, for being able to do that. Uh, and, thanks. And yeah, that, and that, 
Yeah, and that's a kind of an interesting story. Basically, I mean, I, I won't go too much into it. Basically, um, <laughs> basically, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of new to acting. We'll, I kinda, let Dennis I kinda... edit, we'll let Dennis edit this part of the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No, I kind of, I kind of, um, I'm kind of new to acting, and I, and I was never able to audition for Breaking Bad because I was crew. You know, which they don't normally do because there's actually SAG rules against that. You're huh. supposed to, huh. well, you're supposed to, you know, audition all the SAG actors oh, before you that makes look sense. to you, before you look to your crew and start hiring your friends or whatever. You know, so so basically, I would never got an audition really into, and then um, I was in a commercial locally that Vince saw that that he liked that he said he liked, and he just kind of said, "Oh, you're an actor," and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, I didn't know that. You should you should audition for the show." And I was like, okay. And so I like ran to Melissa Bernstein, the producer, and I was like, Vincent, I can audition. Can I audition? Can I, you know, and, it, mm-hmm. and, she, and she goes, she goes, sure. You know, so but they, but then there was only two episodes left, um, and so I auditioned for like the bartender at the at the um, uh, you know inside the New Hampshire bar and things like that. And I didn't think I was gonna get anything. And then um, you didn't go out for like random Nazi thug that got blown away. You didn't, well, you didn't. I would I would have been interested in any role, you know. <laughs> but um, but okay, actually, there's more of the story now. Um, here, 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 no, here's an inside scoop. Um, so so basically, so what happened was I, I it was the second to last episode, and I was reading for some parts, and then I got the script for the final episode, and there was a role in there that was that um basically if you recall when when walt is at the gas station when he gets back into town and he calls um gretchen and ellie or he calls to find out where gretchen and elliot live on a payphone. sure um there was a scene where he would go where he went into that gas station and the clerk was a former student who recognizes him and they had an interaction, and Walt, and Walt comes up to him, and he knows he's been recognized, and the, and he and he tells the kid, "You were one of my students," and he was like, "Yeah, you were a good teacher," you know, and he was like, "I'm better at this," and he like, <laughs> and, and, and he and he throws the kid some money not to call the cops, and he leaves, and the kid like pisses himself or something. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I was like, "Oh my god!" So I was like, "Can I read for that role?" You know, because that would have been like a role of a lifetime, sure. you know, uh-huh. and um. And they said yes, and so I was studying for it and everything, and, and I was getting ready to audition, and then it got cut from the show. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought, well, I guess that's it. You know, I'm not going to be able to be in because that waiter role was actually scripted as a waitress, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and, then they're, and then they let me read for that, but I didn't think, you know. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of work to be done. <laughs> even <laughs> there it's like uh, Dennis go find this location I got some lines to prep. Yeah. Yeah. no I this was on top of my workload for your information <laughs> but yeah but then they gave me that waiter role I couldn't believe it it was like the last role in the last season of the last it was it was just incredible and it was it was a, one of the most amazing days of my life working you know because I got to be in a scene with Brian who was very I was, I was i was extremely nervous and he was very very helpful and um very nice they were an amazing cast to work with honestly from our perspective i think i could they were very friendly with homeowners and the public and they yeah. actually kind of seemed to grab on i think that humbleness idea. came from brian down because he was mm-hmm. always such a humble guy and, nice I, and guy. all the other actors kind of followed suit it was a really pleasant show to work on for sure that's always nice to hear uh, yeah. I had one shit. I had other one other question that came about, but then I just got into your story and I complete. Oh yeah, I know. I just want to ask something for both of you guys. 
Uh, you mentioned like on some shows, uh, you kind of like it's like, uh, oh yeah, Game of Thrones has some that has some pretty good. That's some that's got some five cone locations. Yeah. <laughs> is, there, <laughs> is there is there a show like? Do you guys both have like in like dream gigs? Like any current show or you know recently oh, released I, uh, movie that you're like, oh man, if I could get in, get in on that, I would love to get on Game of Thrones. That'd be awesome. <laughs> is that everybody's like dream gig right now? Well, I mean, it'd just be it'd be fun to I think to work in in another country uh, mm-hmm. other than the U.S. I mean, until you're stuck to... on a glacier in Iceland for two three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know the grass is always greener, but I just it'd still be such an experience, you right? Know, that I I I'd, I'd love that opportunity. Um, I think if I, then why Game of Thrones is just because they they have something established that I think would be fun to be a part of and uh, either that or vikings i would do vikings too. Mm. <laughs> dennis likes the fantasy stuff yeah well you do get the cool locations you know it's not like all steel and concrete yeah in fact you try to avoid those and those type of <laughs> yeah <laughs> my dream job is the night shift for nbc <laughs> <laughs> he's living in now living the <laughs> because dream we, because we mostly shoot, shoot it on our hospital stage so it's yeah. it's, 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 a, it's for a locations it's like the dream job yeah you have one day out a week it's the exact opposite of song it's the show i'm currently on yeah. now right. nice <laughs> Uh, well, again, if you uh, have enjoyed this segment, I highly encourage you to seek out Alex and Dennis over at failscouts.com. Again, guys, thanks for joining our podcast. Uh, really looking forward to the rest of Better Call Saul. All right. Our thanks pleasure. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>